0: The Barbary Bush and Eight Other Stories for Girls. The Barbary Bush, Part Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Barbary Bush and Eight Other Stories for Girls by Susan Coolidge. The Barbary Bush, Part Four. It was a crisp, sparkling morning in mid-October. The Owensons had gone away the week before, and Barbara missed them so much that she had to keep very busy over accounts and winter preparations of all sorts to avoid low spirits. Sid had grown to be almost as much of a friend as his mother, in her estimation, and he brought into her life something which his mother could not bring—the sympathy which youth gives to youth—dear, hopeful, and delightful— he had scrupulously observed his promise of never naming her name to the other fellows, so scrupulously, in fact, that it was suspicious. It seemed as though he found particular pleasure in keeping the secret to himself. Barbara had just recorded the result of a long column of figures at the bottom of her page when Hepsy hurried in, brimful of an exciting piece of news. "'What do you think, honey dear?' she began in a tone which was decidedly not sympathetic. "'There's been a big fire over to East Quasset, and them stage stables is all burnt out. The hotel caught, too, but the engine got over there in time to put that out, and save the furniture. It was pretty badly burnt, though. Jed says it will have to be almost built over before they can use it. Mr. Harmon is all broke up,' he says. "'You see, he was between two insurances.' the old one run out last week and he was going to see about a new one this week only he didn't have time hepsy you don't sound half sorry enough i pity mr harmon it's hard luck well miss Barry, i don't set up to be particularly sorry for those folks at east quasset i can't forget how they stole the stage away from us and almost broke your grandfather's heart you wasn't here then and you don't know how bad he felt about it the defection of the stage line from his accustomed halting place at the corners had been a great loss to the old inn and was so still it was one of the few lines of the sort left in new england and connecting as it did the railroad ten miles to the east with a series of mill towns and villages higher up among the hills to the northwest it still commanded a steady run of travel five six eight dinners a day count for a good deal in the prosperity of any inn to say nothing of stabling and horse-feed the final breakdown of the roadhouse in squire allen's hands dated from the time when the stage company influenced as was believed by the evil arts and persuasions of this same burnt-out mr Harmon, transferred their stopping-place to east quonset and thereby incurred hepsey's everlasting resentment barbara had always cherished a dream of getting the stages back and her quick wit saw at once in hepsy's news something that might be important for herself what will the stage people do now has jed any idea she asked trying to keep her face and voice free from excitement nobody knows yet though i know very well what they ought to do they're mighty close-mouthed folks about their affairs but there's one good thing "'Jed is going over to-morrow with a load of hay for the barn at the depot, "'and he'll see John Bradley, and perhaps he'll say something. "'I don't think much of that Bradley man, though. "'It was all his doings that they changed over to East Quasset. "'If he hadn't found fault with our dinners, they'd never have thought of it.' "'It's natural that people should like good dinners,' observed Barbara, temperately. "'And I'm afraid Grandpapa grew rather careless about such things towards the last.' Dr. Gregory says he did. Never mind, Hepsy. If they give us another try, we'll do better. Two days later, Hepsy brought further news. Honey, dear, it's so funny that I can't help laughing, but them stage folks, they are planning to surprise you. Jed, he heard John Bradley and Mr. Billings, that's the manager, a-talking. And Mr. Billings... He said he didn't see but that they must try the corners again till the east quasset house was fixed up and the barns rebuilt and that john he made all sorts of objections and mr billings told him it was the only place and he's heard things were better than they used to be and the upshot was that john concluded to try it provided it could be a sort of surprise i don't want the house all slicked up till we've made the agreement and then left to run down again he says I'll take my own time, and send no word, and see what they're like. If it's any kind of tavern, they'll have some kind of a dinner, and I'll see what sort of one it is, before I commit myself. They didn't know Jed was near enough to hear. But, Hepsy, this is important. I'm really obliged to Jed for giving us this warning. You see, we have no one in the house just now— "'and it might easily have happened that there was not dinner enough for them. "'What day are they coming? Did Jed hear? "'No, Miss Barry, that's the worst of it. "'John Bradley didn't name any day. "'Well, it must be before long, "'because there's no other inn that is at all convenient for them. "'That's true, Miss Barbara, "'and we'd better keep sort of ready all the time, I think. "'We will. Now let us see.' mrs owenson says you make the best chowder in the world hepsy and that nothing can equal your chicken pies suppose you make a beautiful big one at once that will keep and can be heated in half an hour and i will get a fish every morning for a chowder and we will have some apple quince tarts made and one of those milky rice puddings which can have an orange marmalade and souffle top put on in five minutes I have just thought of a contrivance by which we can secure twenty minutes' notice before we are surprised. The contrivance was nothing more nor less than a field-glass inherited from a sailor great-uncle. Armed with this, Barbara each morning perched herself on the edge of the scuttle which topped the main building, just at the hour when the stage was presumably due at the parting of the crossroads, ten miles away. The first day saw the horses' heads speeding toward East Quasset but on the second the shining blinkers swept the curve toward the corners and barbara ran down to give warning hurry hepsy they are coming twenty minutes notice is worth a good deal under such circumstances the chicken pie and the tarts flew into the oven the chowder already prepared was set bubbling by the time that john bradley drew up his team before the door and called in a lordly way house i say house confident that there could have been no warning given. No possibility of fixing up a dinner and deceiving him into arrangements which he should afterward repent. Things were in a forward condition. At just the right interval, not too long and not too soon, Hepsey answered his call, and simultaneously a boy appeared to take the horses. "'Are you the woman of the house?' demanded the sturdy driver, taking stock, rapidly. Meanwhile, of the improved condition of the premises. "'No, sir. Miss Allen owns it now. I'm the housekeeper.' "'Oh. The old man's daughter, is it?' "'No, sir. His granddaughter.' "'Well, I hope you and she keep it better than the old squire used to. There's five passengers for dinner to-day. It's just for once,' cautiously. "'And give us your regular dinner, if you please. Can't wait for no extra cookin.' Hepsy looked hard at the shrewd old fellow. She understood his tactics perfectly. "'Yes, sir,' she answered promptly. "'It will be ready in half an hour.' "'All right. And you understand it's just for once. We don't want to make a regular arrangement anywheres. As yet. I think that's fixed pretty well,' meditated the wily Jehu. "'there can't be much of the outside-of-the-cup-platter business done in half an hour.' "'so it'll be a fair sample this time, and as I find it, I'll go buy it.' "'How he found it may be surmised from the fact that, after topping off several helps of everything with a second plateful of the orange marmalade rice pudding, he boldly marched into the kitchen and demanded to see Miss Allen. "'Deal with principles is my motto,' he informed Hepsy. Barbara, who had rather expected this demand, was in her own sitting-room.' with everything in perfectly nice order i do not know on what principle she had put on her most becoming gown but it was a judicious act many a business transaction between man and woman has turned upon the choice of a ribbon or the fit of a pair of gloves she was very serious and business-like with john bradley but at the same time courteous and pleasant that important personage was taken much aback at finding her so young and well-favoured but he had a soft heart under his bluff manner, and a daughter at home not far from Barbara's age. She did not find him at all difficult to deal with, and before they parted a bargain was struck. The stage was to stop for dinner at the Barbary bush for two months, on trial. After that, further arrangements might be made, or might not, according to circumstances. "'If you can do better elsewhere than you can here, you will be quite right to change.' remarked the young landlady quietly but i don't think you can mr bradley i am very anxious to keep your custom and think by taking pains i can please you you must tell me if anything needs to be altered and i will do my best to make it all right john's account of the interview to his employers was as follows i want no ways prepared to find such a young creetur keepin a tavern but she's got a head on her shoulders sir i can tell you was you satisfied with your dinner says she I was that says i and mind you mr billins it warn't no dinner fixed up for the occasion for she couldn't have had the least idea we was coming deluded john very well says she you can count on a dinner as good as that every time you do us the honour to dine at the barbary bush those were her very words i never see a house so improved as it is All done over ship-shape, and as tight as a trivet. And she meant exactly what she said, Mr. Billings. I could tell that by the look in her eye. A pause. I was sorry when I come home to take charge of things to find that we had lost your custom, says she. My grandfather, my dear grandfather, I think that is what she called him, was old and failing toward the last, and I can understand that things may not have been quite as they ought to be. "'But now that I'm in this place, all that shall be changed. If you'll just mention when you're not suited, I'll see that it's made right, if the complaint's reasonable,' says she. "'She's a real lady, Mr. Billings, and has a pretty way with her, she has, and she knows how things ought to be. I don't often see folks that come to the house,' she told me, because I'm rather young for such a place, and my old housekeeper does better than I should.' but of course i shall always see you when it's necessary mr bradley because i want to feel sure that you're suited so it ended with my making an agreement for two months and then if mr Harmon's ready we can move back if we like or we can stay on at the corners if we'd rather i hope it strikes you as the right thing to do mr billings it strikes me that your young woman with the pretty manners has had very much her own way with you in the matter remarked the manager of the stage line with a laugh however if you're suited i am the corners is every bit as handy for us as east quasset and if this miss allen gives you good dinners you can fix it any way you like john i'm satisfied so the stage came back to quasset corners and came to stay for by the time the two months agreement was up barbara partly by the excellence of her dinners and partly by her pleasant way had so completely conquered and subjugated john bradley that he would have resented and resisted any idea of removing back to east quasset he became one of the young landlady's firmest friends and upholders and to the end of his days spoke of her as the sensiblest girl he had ever come into contact with she's got a head like a man sir he would asseverate and that's more than you can say of every man that comes along and she is as kind as a woman ought to be too and knows how to manage and keep herself pretty in fact sir she's a avis, as the professors say with the coming back of the stage a long reign of prosperity inaugurated itself at the barbary bush with every month its custom increased and its reputation mrs owenson acted as an unpaid agent to advertise it among her boston friends people discovered how pleasant it was and how near and convenient and it became a little fashion to go there. People came who were tired or needed a short change. People came who had been ill, and people came for the fun of it. Party after party succeeded each other all that winter and spring. It proved a cold season, with an unusual amount of snow and sleighing, but Sidney Owenson organized more than one frolic among his friends, with an early supper and dance at the inn and a moonlight drive back to town." barbara could hear the gay voices and laughter from the pantry where she stood helping old hepsy to wash the plates and glasses twice she was aware that her school friend ellen sears was of the party but she made no sign and ellen never guessed she was near these evenings when people of her own age were making merry under her roof and she had no part in the pleasure were the hardest she had to bear and still shut away from the natural joys of youth and to be so lonely and isolated and different, as Barbara told herself. Sidney Owenson, who always managed by hook or crook to get a word with her on these occasions, found her once stirring eggnog over a spirit lamp, with her face stained with tears, and was much dampened in soul thereby. But the tears were soon dried, and Barbara was her resolute, helpful self again, ready for her daily task, and content so long as things went well. Just once she relaxed her determination to keep in the background and the shade, and she repented it afterward. It was during the second winter when Sidney got up a sleighing carnival in masks and fancy dresses, matronized by one of his sisters, and persuaded Barry to put on one of her great grandmother's gowns, with a little black mask and hood, and slip in among the company for one dance with him. No one guessed who she was, and the waltz with Sid was very nice." But the brief little taste of gaiety seemed to unsettle and disturb her, and she made firm resolutions against doing such a thing again. It was stealing a pleasure under false pretenses, she said to herself. Those people would have been shocked had they known who it was, Mrs. Mallinson particularly. I hope they will never know, but nothing shall induce me to be so foolish again. Nothing. And nothing ever did. The third winter was a mild one, with almost no snow, but this mattered less, for the promoter of the sleighing frolics was absent. Sidney Owenson, under strong pressure of persuasion from his mother, was in Europe, gone for two years to finish his medical studies. It had not been easy to induce him to go. He had said a good deal about the projected course at the John Hopkins and the clinics at the Massachusetts General, and mrs owenson had been vaguely conscious of something behind these arguments which made her uneasy she was fond of barbara but she had begun to blame herself as the cause of a proquintity which might lead to a grave social mistake and she was glad and relieved to have her favourite son away for a time when his two years course was nearly over she went out herself for the summer then she persuaded sydney to remain for a special course at vienna where she established herself also so that it was well on in the fourth year before he came home. When he did, Barbara was no longer at Quasset Four Corners. All had gone prosperously there. The inn was fairly established in favour and fashion, and Barbara rarely had empty rooms to complain of. Gradually she added to her staff of assistants, so that less of the personal fatigue fell upon herself, and practice made all easier. Her neighbours respected her as successful, and she had won their liking by many friendly acts and services. The Barbary Bush had grown remunerative. Not only did it pay its way, but a surplus remained at the year's end, which, acting under Dr. Gregory's directions, she invested judiciously in such a way that, at the close of the fifth year, she had far more than repaid herself the sum borrowed from her little capital. Dr. Gregory was very proud of her, and disposed to take most of the credit of the experiment as the result of his advice at the outset. And Barbara, though she knew better, smiled when he did so, and never contradicted him. It was a cheap pleasure, which she was quite willing that the kind little doctor should indulge in, to suppose himself the architect of her good fortune. Grandmama has been comfortable all this time, and kept the home she was used to, and never missed anything, she reflected. That is the main thing, That is what I did it for. Oh, how glad I am that I did it, in spite of everything. How glad I am that I decided to keep the house. It was the only thing to do. At the end of the fifth year, Mrs. Allen died suddenly and painlessly. She had never fully recovered her consciousness after the shock of her husband's death, but she was serene and patient, easily amused as a child. And she always knew barbara and had a smile for her as she came and went her death left a sad blank in the house and seemed to remove the reason for continuing there for her sake the burden had been assumed now the task was ended and the burden seemed doubly heavy with the impulse of duty forever taken from it and just then as we say forgetting that these just thens of which we speak are prepared for by a long series of small unrecorded acts and efforts. An offer, alike magnificent and unexpected, came from the landlord of one of the great city hotels for the purchase of the Barbary Bush. Its advance in popularity had attracted his attention. He had looked into the matter, and made up his mind that he could use the inn advantageously as a sort of country annex to his own establishment. He offered twenty thousand dollars for the place, with all its belongings, and Barbara, after talking the matter over with Dr. Gregory, made haste to cinch the bargain. "'For he might change his mind,' she said. "'And then where would I be? Nobody else would ever give me so much, I am very sure. And, to tell the truth, doctor, I am longing to get away. Since Grandmama died, I have felt hopelessly not at home in the house.' "'What will you do, now that you have enough to live on?' demanded the doctor. "'I'm not quite sure.' "'but I think something which you will consider absolutely foolish.' "'I don't believe it. "'You couldn't do anything absolutely foolish. "'You're too like your great-uncle James for that.' "'Well, he left all his money to the Board of Foreign Missions "'instead of to his relations. "'That seems to me pretty foolish, "'considering how much some of us have needed it since. "'But you asked me what I'm going to do. "'I have almost decided to go to Paris and stay a year, doctor.' Great Scott! What for? Isn't America good enough for you? Yes, indeed, and too good. But I want a year's study and a year's change. I don't propose to sit idle all the rest of my life because I have a few hundred a year to live on. I shall want to go to work again presently, and, meantime, Paris is a reasonable place to be in, as I shall manage it and I can get hold of all manner of things there which will be of use to me by and by. Well, I suppose you know best what you want. If it were any other girl but you, I should call it a wild goose chase. But you have a head on your shoulders, and I have found that you generally come out right, whatever you do. Thank you, doctor. I consider that a great compliment. Barbara sailed for Arvra only a week before the owensons came home from their long wanderings it was not many days before sidney made time to run out to quasset corners he returned perplexed and discomfited mother he demanded did you know that the barbary bush had been sold and that fellow at the westmoreland was running it as an adjunct to his hotel why yes of course barbara wrote about it said mrs owenson trying to speak naturally and unconsciously. "'Why on earth didn't you mention it to me?' "'Didn't I? Well, the letter came when we were in the hurry of leaving Paris, and—let me see. Yes, you were away—at Etriette, with Arthur Norman at the time.' "'It seems curious that you should forget to speak of it. There was the voyage home, too. Plenty of time to talk over things.' why did she sell it? You can't think how differently the place looks. All the same things are there, but the soul is gone. Old Mrs. Allen died, and Old Mrs. Allen dead? Why, mother, that's another thing you never mentioned. When did she die? It was all in the same letter, I think, Sid, replied Mrs. Owenson, somewhat nervously. And, as I tell you, you were away— Mrs. Allen died in March, and I think it was last month that the house was sold, not many weeks ago, at all events. And where did Barbara go? Where is she now? Halfway to Paris, I suppose. She sailed on the Champagne last Wednesday. Are you in earnest? Paris? What should she go there for? I am not quite sure about her plans, but she means to study French and qualify herself for some sort of work— She has enough to live on comfortably, for the inn brought a good price, she wrote me, and I hope she will do well, for she is really a very nice girl, ended Mrs. Owenson unguardedly. Now, don't let us talk about her any more at present, for I want to settle with you about the Dublin plans. Are you going to spend the summer with me? I hope so. The better part of it, I fancy, replied Sydney, looking kindly but quizzically at his mother's flushed face and as you say we won't talk any more about barbara allen at present the subject was dropped and mrs owenson hoped it had passed from her son's mind but when the following spring he suddenly announced that he must run over to europe for two months study of microscopy in an advanced branch her apprehensions revived whether they were justified or not does not belong rightfully to this story which concerns only the 5 years' struggle of a brave little maiden under a hard urgency and her final success. But so much I may say, that there is in Boston now a Mrs. Sidney Owenson, whom people find particularly nice and attractive, but about whose history little seems known beyond the fact that she was an orphan, and Dr. Owenson married her in Paris. Her name, by an odd coincidence, is Barbara, and Mrs. Owenson— who seems very fond of her daughter-in-law, calls her Barry. Do you recollect an old childish game, which we all used to play in our youth, where the little players, with linked hands, dance round and round the barberry bush, all but one left out, one who is kept outside the rest, till, at a given signal, they all sing, Make a ring and draw her in, and kiss her when you get her in. And then her turn comes, perhaps that was the way in which Sidney owenson played his game and disregarding fears and objections his mother's anxieties and his sister's warnings chose for himself a lonely little player who was not having her fair share of the fun drew her in and made her happy with the rest if it were so he showed his cleverness for his barbara is quite as good at the game as any one and is made welcome by the other merry-makers as a good player always will be and to him as for her work and sport are both made lighter from the fact that they share them with one another end of the barberry bush